0: All right. So today we're going to talk, we're going to do another podcast episode on really the truth about putting deals together with attorneys in our state of New York, because this is something that throws a lot of people off. They have the wrong expectations. And I don't think we've covered this enough on our podcast series on, you know, how to navigate this. You know, what's the ugly side of this? What are the benefits of this? And and, and Michael and I were just on the phone uh, before we hit record here, you know, just some backfill with attorneys and and back and forth, this, that, and the other. So uh, I'll share some case studies and, and I'm sure Michael will share some case studies. So let, let's just kind of get right into it, Michael. I mean, what, when you're looking to work with a investor-friendly attorney, right? Because there's no such thing as an investor-friendly title company. What do you really look for besides the fact that they want to be able to assign it and whatnot, like in terms of communication and you know, what, what do you kind of, how do you lay the ground with like who you want to work with? Because this, this really will kill a lot of people's deals if they don't do this the right way.
1: You're saying, what am I looking for in an attorney? In
0: an attorney. Yeah. Cause like, this is a big thing that people mess up.
1: So I would say if you were searching for an attorney, first of all, you want somebody who concentrates on real estate or who wants to concentrate on real estate. Right. I actually, I turned an attorney who was a, like i worked for a medical thing. And I turned them into a closing attorney a while ago. Um, so you're going to want the guy to be focusing on real estate. You don't want a personal injury attorney. You don't want people who are going to be in court a lot. That is a big, that's a big bummer, right? Some guys go on trials. Takeaway. For three, it's a big
0: takeaway right there.
1: Huge. The guy's on trial for three weeks. Guess what he's not doing for three weeks? Pretty much anything you need. So you want somebody who is going to be focusing on real estate, understands transaction. I mean, the mindset that you want is somebody who wants to get the deal done. Not somebody who's going to nitpick and tell you all the reasons it can't be done. And there are attorneys like that. There are even real estate attorneys like that, that are such downers that everything you bring to them, oh, why, why are you doing it this way? Can't we find it easier? Way? You know, you want a guy who's got that mindset. That's number one. Number two is you want somebody who's very communicative. Now, I'm not saying he answers the phone every time you pick up, but you want a guy who returns your calls once a day. I have no problem with an attorney calling back at the end of the day and saying, hey, I got two messages from you. I got an email. Let's just talk about everything but a date, 24 hours should not go by where he doesn't respond to you. That's number two. Number three, very important. You want some kind of support staff, right? I had an attorney that I started with who had nobody answering the phones. He wasn't communicative and it was a problem, right? The problem is if you, you have other parties involved in the transaction, right? You're, you're, you're in the middle. There could be a seller. there could be a buyer. There could be all kinds of people There could be a five way transaction, whatever the hell it is. And, um, they need to reach someone, and if your if your attorney is a sole practitioner and doesn't have any doesn't even have an answering service, it's a it's a problem. Um, now, I guess theoretically that could work. In my situation, it wasn't working because, and this is a key that some there's a communication problem when 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 consistently every other party in the transaction complains about not being able to get in touch with your attorney, it shows that there's an issue there. So I would say those are the three things. You want somebody whose mindset is I wanna close, not a mindset of how I'm gonna tell you why what you're doing is wrong. You want somebody who's communicative and you want somebody who has some kind of support staff so that, you know, I understand that people aren't reachable all the time. I'm not reachable all the time. You're not reachable all the time. We have other things that we do, but it's nice if someone else can answer the phone and say, I'm gonna get that information to them. It's nice that someone can answer the phone all the time because he's got a secretary or, or an assistant or a paralegal to do that.
0: Yeah, that's the first thing you said people cannot they got to re-listen to the, the, what you said. It's like you don't want an attorney on trial. We have this happen with some of our attorneys. We refer people. They're great attorneys, but they're in a effing courtroom all day, and they can't just take their call in front of a judge. Hey, I got this uh, two hundred thousand dollars real estate closing. I'm making a thousand bucks on.
1: Where the not not even bring a phone into? Yeah. You know, and think about it. If you're an attorney on a trial. That's got to be your focus. I, if I had an attorney on a trial, I don't want him taking calls for, for real estate deals he's doing for somebody else. I want him focusing on the trial, right? That's important stuff going on. Is that true? So, so I, the mistake. I'm going to talk about a few mistakes I've seen people make with attorneys that they've came to come to me after. So, first of all, they they've called an attorney that they know who's not a real estate attorney, and they've decided to make him into the real estate attorney. That's usually not a good idea, right? You can can you train a guy? If you're new, no, you can't. You don't know what to tell him, right? Maybe you or I could train somebody th- that wanted to get out of uh, uh, corporate securities law and wants to do this. Sure, we can do that, but you need to know what you're doing. So you don't want somebody. You don't want to be a new investor with a new att- attorney. Oh, right?
0: oh, that's a ticking that's time. That's a blind leading cocktail. Yeah.
1: So you want somebody whose focus is is on is on um, is on real estate. But people say, well, how do I find an investor-friendly attorney? So i think the the smartest question to ask is have you done assignments of contract consist significant and any kind of significant number right now every attorney will tell you i know what an assignment of contract is they learn about it in in, in law school right but i would say if you took all the real estate attorneys first take all attorneys and you just c- c- cut out the the people who focus on real estate out of those less than one percent have ever done an assignment of contract most of these guys do simple buyer-to-seller transactions, they don't even know what the hell an assignment of contract is. Um, or double closing. They, they've never done that. But not, not 90, I don't know what percent, 98, 99 percent. So you want to find a guy who says, yeah, I do that all the time. There's no problem. Um, you want a guy who's got his own paperwork, right? If, a guy, if you if if you sit your attorney say, I need an assignment of contract, and he goes, well, I don't even know what document to use. That's a sign that probably hasn't done it before. Um, so I think that's, that's a good litmus test to see if this guy is somebody who's going to know what he's doing um some uh, almost every attorney will bullshit you and tell you that i can do anything sure i can do anything yeah i'm a i'm a personal injury attorney in the morning and i'm a i'm a bill's day attorney in the middle of the day and i do uh corporate law at night you know like guys every most of these small shops want to tell you they do everything like you'll see you go you'll go by an office and it'll say marriages divorces will real estate and like 50 things and you're like maybe he's done one of those one master of, those, of all uh,
0: what are the master of all yeah. trades jack and none or yeah, jack, jack of all trades, trades master, master of none.
1: none so i think that's 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 important but communication's a big the, the sad part is you're not going to really know about communication until you get into a few deals with the guy or girl so it's something to be aware of you you want to talk about I, I, I a lot of people call me and they go i i will like send i'll recommend the turn oh, I can't use the guy he's he's 2000 dollars a transaction let's say let's just say that number so on one hand, I understand that it's more than maybe you want to pay. But on the other hand, in a, in a transaction where you're going to make thirty or $40,000, you're probably not going to find an attorney for less than $1,000. So you're paying an extra $1,000 per transaction. If it's somebody who you feel comfortable with, that's a very good thing. Now, remember, you're, you're going to get into litigation at some point, right? I had it last year. Um, I put $100,000 down on a contract. Stupid move. And um, I found a way out of the contract, right? In general, I have no outs on the contract, but I had a way out, um, but it was only because of the way the, way the contract was written. Um, it was only because of the way the contract was written. So there's something to be said for, that's on my phone, it's on the phone. Um, there's something you said for using, a, using an attorney who knows how to write up a contract because when 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 the shit hits the fan, right? When you when you realize something's messed up here, one word. I'm sure I talk talk about what happened with me with my with my What one happened? Because this is one serious. Word. Okay, so I was buying. I, I I made a stupid mistake a few years ago. I remember I just, when
0: this deal happened. You told me in California.
1: I told, I think that was the first time we even met. It was that's, yeah. that's how long? Yeah. I thought it was a no-brainer, hundred thousand dollar deal, right? It was a house in East Hampton. Apparently, the shitty parts of East Hampton. This was one of them. <laughs> and I went and I was sure okay, I was sure that I could wholesale this deal for let's say 1.2, 1.3. The Zillow value was like two and a half million. And I negotiated down to a million. And I had two and I sort of put it out softly to my list. And I had two guys who were jumping at the bit to buy it for 1.2. So I'm like, it's a no-brainer. So I went to contract with a million and I had to give it a hundred thousand dollars down. I'm like, no, who cares? 10,0. 000, blah. And um <laughs> what happened was after really looking into it. It wasn't such a good deal at a million dollars, right? It might have been a million dollar house. After I- it's in a weird part of, of East Hampton. And there were multi-million dollar houses being built there, but that house needed a lot of work, and you have to do very high-end finishes. Yeah. And also the property abutted, and this is where i got got my I got out of it. Abutted like this um nature preserve, and there was a scenic easement on a big portion of the property. So, like I imagine maybe putting in a pool. Um but I couldn't put I couldn't put a pool where I wanted to put the pool, and and then after a time I just realized I don't know if this is a good deal and I'm sc- and I was scared, so I I went to a litigator, I have a good litigation attorney. If you're going ever go to litigation, you better find a good attorney. If you need his name, is awesome. His name's Alan Heller, and he said to me, the way the contract's written, you have to buy it as is for any utility easements, but it doesn't say anything about scenic easements. He goes, if it just said easements, you'd be screwed. But because it says utility easements, and this is a scenic easement, we can make a case. He goes, I don't know if we're going to win. He goes, but you have a case. So I basically uh, started litigation against the guy. During litigation, he sold the house for about $800,000, which tells you again that my deal wasn't such a good deal. To an investor. I think so. I think to an investor. And... I know, and I was really trying to figure out what was going on with this guy. So I had a lot of other friends calling him and asking him about the house, and he was hundred percent convinced he was going to get the whole hundred thousand dollars deposit. He was a hundred percent convinced, and we went to we went to uh, to litigation, and we and I, we won on summary judgment. I got the whole hundred thousand dollars back minus my legal fees, so that was a win. I thought I thought I was gonna, and, and we offered him a settlement for fifty in the middle, and he said no. So um,
0: so you were about to just lose fifty G's and and take your losses.
1: Yeah. I was gonna, and he
0: said no. I'm gonna get the whole hundred, and he ended up getting nothing.
1: and up Plus nothing. his
0: attorney, he had to hire an attorney for that too. Obviously, for
1: sure, for sure. Oh. So I'm saying that one word. So one little word. It seems inconsequential, but when things get bit hairy, if you have an attorney drawing the contract that doesn't know anything, and there are a lot of co- attorneys out there don't know what they're doing when they draw up a contract, they'll use a boilerplate <laughs> a, a, a thing that they find. They don't put any real thought into it. They don't get into the nitty gritty of what's going on here. What do you want to do with it? Do you want to assign it? Do you not want to assign it? What do we need to ask for? What about, you know, judgments? What about violations? These are all things that are the only way you're going to have out of a contract is if there's a title issue. People think that. But what if there's just a violation on it that's really going to screw you over because you're now you're going to have to file permits because of it? If the word, If the contract's not worded right, you can't do anything about it. So you need an attorney that understands how investors work. And you need know, an attorney that's going to be careful before a contract gets sent out because I don't want to read a contract. I really don't. That's that's my attorney's job. So, to me, the spending an extra thousand, let's say thousand dollars. I don't think you need to spend two thousand dollars, but fifteen hundred dollars, something like that. An extra five hundred to a thousand dollars to use an attorney who's experienced, in my opinion, is money well spent. I really believe that. Who
0: I mean, does I real know. estate? That's the key. Yes, gotta well, do real estate,
1: estate deals he used an attorney that's a complete moron like the guy is an idiot i don't even know how he finished law school and i say to him all the time and he and he tells me the guy's a moron i go why do you use this guy and he goes cuz he's cheap who is this like, your friend this is a guy another guy i know who who sends me deals and oh, whatever he's a short sale guy and yeah. and, <laughs> and i tell him this guy is not good like the we had a closing that took an extra 4 months because the guy just didn't do what he said he did and He's like he's cheap. I'm like, he's not worth it. He's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, you're not getting any real value because you're saving eight hundred dollars, right? You're you're losing because all the time that this guy doesn't do all the all the all the aggravation that the guy causes from you. And that's that's what I think about attorneys. I mean, I could probably talk to for four hours, but I'll let you talk about. No,
0: that you said a lot of stuff that made sense. And this is this is why you need to have someone who's a real estate attorney, not a what do they say? A, 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 I do everything attorney. Listen, there's some law firms that do that, but they have seven attorneys and one specializes in each niche. By the way, side note on that. I just paid my final invoice on a fucking eviction from I won't name and I won't name key there. And uh, man, they they put one right up my, you know what, on the Tuesday legal charge. bills. It's like six grand to do a fucking eviction.
1: It's expensive. Well, that's
0: collectively over nine months, but they just, because ca- they bill you by the oh. fucking hour.
1: Listen, that's all legal fees. None of that is. Court that's
0: legal fees. fees. Yeah, that's well, maybe some, a few court fees, but it's all legal fees. It's uh, the the, uh, the end, end result was a fucking stip that I could have signed with the tenant, but whatever. I'm not bitching about it. Well, I am bitching about it, but it
1: was a st- ended up being a stip. It didn't end up being a vi- no. Eviction. It was a
0: stip. We signed a stip. I'm still sore from that one. I gotta go to the chiropractor after that beatdown. You know, I gotta give me adjustment.
1: You gotta go to proctologist.
0: Yeah. Gosh, get the rubber gloves out. Anyway. So here's another example on why you need an attorney who knows what they're doing and they're not just a regular boilerplate attorney. So actually, I'll give you another, kind of an example here. So you also have to have an attorney that is willing to be creative with you. And I'm not saying they're going to break the rules. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying they need to, they need to understand how investors work. So let me give you an example on a deal that could happen. This might be my deal. This might not be my deal, depending on who's listening to this. But so when you're wholesale, so we have we do some deals in expensive areas, Westchester. You know, it's very expensive there. So when you're working with people in Westchester, especially Lower Westchester, like Rye, Marinex, Scarsdale, Larchmont, like that's the big leagues. And the attorneys down there are fast, and they get contracts out instantaneously. It's almost it's like right away they get the properties out. So we have a prop. We might have a property that um, we signed a contract on potentially and we had to put a relatively large deposit down, much, much larger than normal because it's a property that's worth a lot of money. So instead of basically getting a fully signed contract, when I say like seller and buyer done, we wanted to start the process of getting that second contract out to our buyer because we want to make sure that time does not kill a potential deal. So we got a contract that we signed and then we sent the contract back. Right. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time we started working, didn't get the second contract done yet, started working on another contract to get out to the other party to then have them sign. And we, we might not, we might've not waited to get the full contract signed. However, the reason I'm saying that, and this is might be true. This might not be true. I might just be a good storyteller. Uh <laughs> The reason I'm saying this is because if you have to wait a week or two to try to get a contract signed, you might not even know if you have an end buyer for, and the attorney is like, well, I need to see a fully signed copy and in the books and this, that, and the other, the other buyer might be like, well, dude, you said you were going to send me a contract. You haven't sent me a contract yet. I'm out of here. So you've got to have an attorney who's willing to be a little creative. Uh, I
1: do do things. I may or may not do things like that all the time. Also, so I
0: admit, me too. I might, yeah. Well. Right.
1: So what, what I what I say? Try. to, You want to avoid what I call a belt and suspenders attorney, right? In theory, in th- so and, and I'm I actually
0: tell- LOLing at that <laughs> belt and suspenders. I tell,
1: right. So what I tell people is never ask an attorney a business question. Right. Never Only ask an attorney a legal question. If you went to any attorney almost any attorney, and said, hey, should I start wholesaling properties? They would go, wholesaling properties? I think that shit's illegal. You shouldn't do that. You're going to be liable to code 473 of the state statute. Mm -hmm. So you never want to ask an attorney a business question. Attorneys are not there to advise you on business. They're there to advise you on legal issues. So when I have a legal issue, so, for example, I have a deal, and I'm like, I, I don't really want to show this guy how much i'm making can we double close it instead of instead of instead of assigning it i'll ask an attorney how to do that yeah. but there are belt what i call belt and suspenders attorneys which means guys that are always trying to protect your legal interests right yes my yes. job is to protect your interests. i have to tell you that i think this whole thing is horrible and what happens and i speak to people all the time they go well i spoke to an attorney he said i wholesaling is illegal i spoke to an attorney who said there's no way I can assign a contract. I spoke to an attorney who said, this is a terrible idea. I should just become a realtor. And you can't ask attorneys questions like that because they may, if you don't know them well, or if you even do know them well, if they're a belt and suspenders kind of guy, a guy who always tries to be careful, you know, he's wearing his belt and his suspenders because he wants to be sure <laughs> it's a it's an issue. It's an issue, right? And so I had at a re meeting last night, really good re-a-meeting. We're like Elks years, Lodge at the Elks Lodge, we had like 50 people show up. All it been there. 50 people show up. One of the guys was an attorney. His wife was like in the realty business. He wants to get into the business. And he started asking, what the hell did he ask? He asked something.
0: How do I sign a contract without going
1: to prison? No. He, and he's, a, and he's, a, and he's an ambulance. chaser. he's a, uh, he's a, uh, personal personal injury. Injury? he asked the question. I remember when he said it, all I could say was, it's only an attorney would ask that question. Like, aren't you worried? Oh, oh yeah. He goes, when you do, when you do work, do you always use licensed contractors? So I I said, it depends what work you're doing. If you have to follow your license, but sometimes you don't. He goes, if you use an unlicensed contractor, what happens if the guy gets hurt? You can get, you're so liable. I I said, listen, I understand your question. It's certainly from a legal perspective. I said, thank God I've never had anybody fall off the roof and break his neck. I've never had anybody uh, chop off their arm, you know, with a, with a, with a, with a circular saw. I said I have property insurance on the property. Um, the LLC only owns that property, so I have limited liability. I don't think the guy is going to come after me for millions of dollars. And what I've seen is even when there's a minor injury, usually it doesn't ends up being a, it doesn't end up being a lawsuit. But like, God. if that's the way you want to think about things, you're going to yeah. find reasons not to do anything, right? That you can I could tell you 27 legal reasons why everything you and I do every day might cause us to go financially bankrupt if we got sued. And I told him the story because there's a there's a lady in uh my friend is a housekeeper, had a housekeeper who got hit by a car in uh in my area. Oh my she gosh. Okay, enough to, she was fortunate enough to get hit by a very, very, very wealthy guy's car. This guy, just to give you an example, just gave a $10 million donation to my alma mater and has and has given a lot more than that. I know this guy. And um oh my gosh, she hit the jackpot because the guy had like a 5 million dollar umbrella policy on the car. Now we all think of oh we should have this umbrella policy just in case we get sued. The umbrella policy will cover. It. But the 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 personal injury lawyers saw that and this housekeeper when my friend called her to come back to work said oh, I know working no more. She got 2 million dollars, right? For an injury that wasn't so bad. Now if the guy didn't have an umbrella policy, she would have got $100,000 minus expenses. So my point is If you live your life to avoid potential liability and you do things that you think are right, you probably just end up being a target because that's what this guy was. This guy, this PI attorney who saw this umbrella policy, you know, was 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 salivating. So he got a humongous settlement for this lady who did not have such a bad injury, right? And she broke her leg and she got two million dollars. Now she's got her own housekeeper now. So my point is her own housekeeper. So so my point is that. If you if you if you're going to go make business decisions based on potential liability, I promise you, you're going to get nothing done. There's always a reason that an attorney will tell you what things that you want to do are not going to work. Um, You have to stay in the realm of reality and understand that extremely unlikely events are extremely unlikely. You don't want to make them into cataclysmic events. So theoretically, if I owned all my properties in one LLC and something happened that a guy fell off a roof, broke his neck, and was paralyzed at 22 years old, I might have a lot of liability. But you yeah. make decisions where you keep properties compartmentalized, so the most you can lose is that property. There's, yeah. other, reasons why, there's other reasons why you want to do that. So you, ha- you never, ever should ask a lawyer a business question. Ever. You only want to ask them a specific legal question. So never ask a lawyer, should I do this? The answer will always be no. You want to ask your lawyer, how do I do this? And you want to use a lawyer who's going to, explain to you how to do it. Now, he sometimes he might say, it's not a good idea because of X, Y, Z, but you want a guy that's going to help you in your business by showing you how to do how to do things the right way.
0: And how to get the problem solved and how to get the deal to the finish line. And this is something, and I'm glad you brought that up, is because if you're using the right attorney, they are only, and I will repeat this again, only going to get paid when the deal closes. When and if, right? When and if. Right. Not maybe only when if
1: you and I have done a lot of sent a lot of contracts out and used a lot of attorney uh, time on deals that never close. That's another oh, reason. Yeah, bro. That's another reason why I don't mind paying my attorney a little more because I want them to send that contract out within three hours of me telling them to send it out. With the and sometimes I'll send out multiple contracts on the same deal, right? I may have four buyers. All around the same price and I may tell them first one to bring it back wins so I'm telling the contract send out three I'm suddenly the lawyer send out three contracts now if you have one of these lawyers whose attitude is I'm not doing three times the work they'll never do it I'll be like what do you mean I'm gonna send out three contracts now I'm never gonna get three contract I'm never gonna have three contracts that I'm gonna sign because that would be illegal but I don't mind sending out three contracts to potential buyers and seeing who who, who who sends the money who sends it back in first but you need an attorney with that attitude saying okay I know the attorney's attitude is i know i'm going to do work for this guy that some of it's going to end up with no closing but we're going to do enough closings that it's worth it for me to work on the on the deals that die deals die and attorneys should understand that deals die right now i know i know an attorney who really he, he takes a the guy's a putz he takes uh he won't do a contract for somebody without taking like a, a upfront fee if your attorney asks well, you a for a contract yeah if your attorney asks you for any money upfront. You should run away from that attorney. Run because that's a guy who is not going to be good for you. He—that's a guy who doesn't understand the concept that some deals, some deals die for no because and it's nobody's fault.
0: No, that's so good, man. So on that note, let's talk about earnest money deposits and having the attorney go to bat for you to get it lower. This is something I might know a little bit more than this than you in, in this case. I case. think you
1: do because sometimes
0: you tell me your deposit amounts and I want to stick my finger in my mouth and vomit on the floor.
1: Yeah, um, you should talk about. So that. let me
0: let me just get into that. So. If you have a good attorney and they know what they're doing and they work with real estate investors and they do creative deals like Michael and I do, or I wouldn't say creative deals. If they do off-market deals, that's a better term. They are going to go to bat for you, pun intended, even though the Mets are out of the playoffs now, but they're going to go to bat and they are going to be able to negotiate on your behalf, why your deposit is going to be lower. Generally, if the seller's attorney hears from the seller, that the deposits uh, 2% of the purchase price, not 10% of the purchase price. They're going to be like, eh, I don't know, this guy might be an idiot. He might bail, et cetera. But if the seller's attorney, if the buyer's attorney communicates with the seller's attorney, generally, not all the time, generally, the attorney is going to be able to convey that point from attorney to an attorney. And that's, that's what I found to work best. Like our attorney will be like, hey, he's got X amount of projects going on, this, that, and the other. He needs the deposit to be, you know, five grand instead of 20 grand. And well, this is why
1: I, I usually make that make that I usually plant that seed in the seller's head this is if
0: that fails. I'm talking if this fails let's say oh. they, they object and the attorneys
1: now have I've to never I've never done that but it actually makes sense
0: yeah because the attorney can exp- something I've known on a side note is that once you get an attorney involved in a piece of property in New York generally this it just drives me nuts too I wish half the time I can call the buyers or the seller's attorney and say, hi, this is Greg. I'm the one paying for this effing property. Can you like do this, this, and this, and we can get this signed on DocuSign like right now and we can close next week. But what happens in New York, because it is a very litigious state is you everything. Do That's don't... not to my policy.
1: You never... Never. Yeah. never Only your attorney call me. I have people say that all the time. Oh it's my so gosh.
0: I've gotten freaking hosed before just by buyer, seller's attorneys being like, how dare you reach out to me? I've had agents. Oh my gosh. I had this jerk agent one time. And like, I was trying to call like the attorney because it wasn't even in contract. And how dare you reach out to them and propose? I'm like, yo, do you want to make your 10 grand or do you want to be broke? Like, clearly, I the
1: same it's, thing. I, it's crazy. I people like yell at me and I'm like, I got to be honest with you. I understand that's your policy, but your policy sucks. I said, um, the reason why I'm reaching out to you is to make the deal happen and nobody gets paid unless the deal happens. And they still don't talk to me, but that's what you just said is true. Do you want to make do you want to get paid or do you would not want to get paid? Sometimes oh, I'll say, listen, I'm calling to just cut through the bullshit because we're playing telephone here, right? I'm telling something to my attorney, my attorney's talking to you, you're telling it to your client. I'm trying to bypass some of that so that so that we don't lose anything in transmission. But this happens
0: mostly with fix and flips when you're dealing with consumers. This is mainly where this comes out. This this Right. but a good
1: attorney, listen, a good attorney, and there are there are very good attorneys that I've dealt with the other side. We'll will have a conversation with you. He might say something like, I'm not really supposed to speak to you, but tell me what's going on. Tell me
0: what's going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell
1: me what's going on. I just want to know what's going on because my client doesn't know what's going on. Why
0: do you think that is? Why won't they like? Why would an attorney talk to me? Like, I'm a sophisticated person who understands this. Better than most attorneys. Like, why the fuck weren't they just talk to in Greg? My,
1: I don't know. Maybe there's a liability issue. What's I think the most of things, liability? I think it's Ego. I think it's just ego, right? Well, listen, why why aren't there inspection contingencies in most contracts in New York? Why? Because why?
0: that is a good question. I'll you tell you what. You can do it, but it's not common. I will say that because
1: a seller's attorney, fuckheads that they are, don't want to draw up a contract where a guy can walk away. They don't want to drop a contract that may not work because it, the let, let's be honest how much time to take to drop a contract right before you even get into the nitty-gritty 10 minutes. you're talking about 15 minutes so so but they don't want to get into a back and forth with another attorney even the back and forth why does the back and forth take place this Is the only state where it takes place the back and forth that goes on in a contract situation usually takes place because they want to justify their 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 fifteen hundred dollar two thousand dollar fees right so they yeah. have to Justify it. I don't care, right? And good attorneys won't waste the time with it. I've dealt with attorneys who just get into stupid things. You wrote two hundred and fifty dollars. We want two hundred and seventy-five. I'm like, that's some stupid clause that never comes up anyway. You wrote that it's got uh, to be, uh, if the fence line is up to twelve one foot. I we want ten inches. I'm like, they just look for things to, to ha- create a conflict over so that they can justify their their fees. And they go, oh, they go to their client. Look at all these things I got for you. It's just stupid. The whole thing is stupid. So the same thing happened. I think it's ego also. Like a, a seller's attorney will be like, well, I can't talk to you. I can only talk to your attorney. Like, your feeble mind of a, of a non-attorney cannot possibly contend with my legal, incredible legal mind. I went through law school. I took the bar exam. I'm amazing, right? That's the kind of crap that comes up. But good attorneys who want to get deals done will, will, will actually have conversations. with you. Right. That's, I, I found that there's, there's, there's probably... Probably 20 to 30% of them are are, are are like that.
0: You know what's ironic about that? I've noticed in the New York City and in Westchester, they're more open to doing that than in like Orange County and Dutchess County. It's kind of fucking weird. Like, because the people in, at least in New York and, and Westchester, like the city, because a lot of times we have sellers and their attorneys in the city or something, like... Th- they're fucking good. Like, they're, and they'll like get on the phone with me maybe for five minutes. And I'll be like, yo, Bob, I know you're, you, you don't want to talk to me, but like, let's the fucking get to the truth here. But, uh, you know, and I actually negotiated a deal where we got a due diligence period. And I was like, I need this. It was land. So, I mean, that's understandable, but we, and he put in the attorney put in the contract due diligence period, which and I was like, Whoa, that's legit. Land,
1: land is more commercial, you know so yeah it is a
0: little bit more
1: commercial deal due diligence period is standard right you're you buying that. a buil- you're buying a building uh you know like a hundred unit apartment building you might get a month of due diligence right because you got to look at all the leases you gotta look at all that bullshit it, it's sort of standard so land might might work out but but
0: single family residential tough
1: very rare very rare because they, Even they small they, they, tough what they say is do the inspection now any repairs you want to make, we stick it in the contract. The truth is, it makes a lot more sense between you and me. No, right? it and does. You, it's more. It makes more sense, right? Doing the inspection. So every time we agree on, we, every time you and I are selling a property and a buyer, uh, we agree on a buyer's price. They do an inspection within the next day or two, and then if they have any issues, they have any questions, they want repairs, it goes in the contract. It's much more logical. It sucks crap when we when we're the we're trying to buy the property because we want that time to find the buyer or figure out if we want to buy the property or not. But that's the truth. That's how it works.
0: I will say this on that note, which is an interesting, very valid point. If you're not a pansy and you have a contract, I'm just being real here. I mean, people know us by now. They've listened to all these episodes. They know we're we're not bullshitters. Like if you're not a pansy and you have some, as my friend would say, elephantitis of the testicles, hope I didn't offend any women there. If I did, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, If you have a, like, let's say a seller's attorney sends you a contract and you have the ability to sign it and send a wire like right away put the fucking contract out to your damn buyers list. Like, come on now. Like that, that's the, you know what I mean? And listen, I'm not saying put out a shit deal. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying get your freaking, get your money, get the revenue kind of generated first. Know you have some reasonable demand. And then in the event that like you got crickets, you can renegotiate. You could say, hey, listen, you know, I need more. Like, you know, and I'm not saying do this for any deal. I'm saying if you have a decent deal and you don't want to like, cause you, the reason I'm saying this is if you're like, Oh, I need to get everything signed first. And by the way, this is not legal advice. So I don't want to get fucking hosed up on the record here. But yeah, God forbid. But if it takes two weeks to get a FEC, as we would say in New York, fully executed contract, not a PSA, purchase and sale in California, more like F-U-T-K-E-D, you know, (laughs) Um, you know, if you, it takes two weeks to do that and you got to wait two weeks and then you don't even know if you have an exit. Like, time kills deals. If you got to take one thing in the show, time kills deals. If you kick the can down the road and delay shit, you're increasing the odds that your deal will blow up. So if you have a contract you can sign and you want to put it out to your list, by the way, this isn't legal advice, give it a shot, and that way you don't get stuck holding your you-know-what, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got a $10,000 deposit, you can't get back, you got to litigate, you got to look through the contract.
1: What you just said, really... I think works much better in New York because
0: oh yeah, yeah, of course.
1: In other places, in other places, these jerkies will try and go around you because it's so yeah. easy to get out of contract, they'll go around you. Yeah. In New York, people just assume you assuming you have a reputation of being somebody who actually does deals, people are gonna assume every time that you're in contract and no one's gonna go around you to try and find a seller. So it works. it works.
0: Yeah, it does work. I mean, th- there's other states where like you got to get good at recording contracts, which is another step in the process. But in right. New York, like it's you said, it's not. they really. all
1: these counties. Also, some some counties you, you actually record a copy of the contract. Some counties you record an affidavit of contract. Some memorandum of contract.
0: Got to be notarized. If by the way, if you try to do that, and it's not notarized. It means nothing.
1: Flush down the toilet.
0: They're they're just like well, I, I I understand that. I know a guy in Florida who like notarizes everything because then he can actually record it um no, you understand that, it, yeah.
1: without it notarizing it's it's useless it's not a legal document once you notarize it it's an affidavit all the all that really means is that the person who says they signed it signs it but at least that's something
0: well and then the court needs to like have that on record because if like you know sally you know in theory i could be you know i could be robert de niro and you could be fucking you know uh will smith and we, you could <laughs> you could sell a property to and me what, and, and
1: you can sell me your 14 million dollar mansion in Beverly yeah, Hills.
0: exactly <laughs> exactly so the main point we were trying to make on this show, I know we're we're comedians part-time, but you gotta have an attorney who's willing to be creative. You gotta understand they're only gonna get paid if the deal if and when the deal closes. If they're asking for money up front, go run east or west or north or south. Just don't run near the attorney. And um, you know, they have to be your real estate attorney. If they're if they're in trial all day, you know, you're just gonna be frustrated. And and I under like you said, I understand why they're not calling you back. If you're on the fucking court and you, you cannot Hey, let me call this this three hundred fifty thousand dollars West ICEL Your Honor, can back. I
1: can I get a five minute uh, recess to ask this guy uh, if uh, if I need to make the contract assignable? <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: hilarious. So, yeah,
1: but I'd say the question: if you want a couple of questions to ask before you deal with the attorney, I'd say A is real estate your focus? Is that mostly what you do, or is that all you spend your time on? B: Do you ever it's go to court? Real estate. You ever have to go to? You go to trials on a regular basis. You don't want an answer yes to that. You want to yes answer yes first one. Second of all, do you have somebody else answering your phones? If I call, do you have an office. Do you have a paralegal? Do you have somebody who can answer the phone even when you're busy? Um, and then I would say, you know, how what, do you have a plan to return calls? Like if I call you two or three times in the day, if I call you during the day, you're going to call me right back, and you can call me at the end of the day. See if the guy has a real, a real, um, a real policy, right? They're all going to say I call you back, but like are you call me. If does he say, well, I call you back whenever I have time or I call you back sometimes in three days, like see what he says. Like just, you're not going to know the answer until you really deal with them. But those are some of the questions you can ask an attorney if you're, if you, you want to, you start using them.
0: And norm, that's a great, great, great question. And ask
1: if he's done assignments of contract on a, re- like significant, uh, a few yeah. more than, more than once on a real estate contract. Have you, have you dealt with a, a contract that you, uh, you had a buyer and a seller and the buyer signed it to somebody else and see what they say. Cause if they go, uh, I think so you should probably run away. If they go, yeah, we do that all the time. That's a good sign.
0: Yeah. What about double closings on that note? Like that, that is enough, that now I'll, I'll talk about this for a second. Cause I do a lot of these. Uh, I rarely do assignments actually, at least in New York, but well, um, either,
1: either assignments or double closings, either way, I would say
0: here's something, and this is not legal advice. So for heaven's sake, don't hold me to this, but in New York, you can use a buyer's money to fund the deal. I've done it many times. So with that being the case, even though this is not legal advice, you should find an attorney who's willing and able to do that. Generally, that's going to be regarding the title company, but the attorney is going to know how to do that for the most part. Like in some states, you just can't do that. That is flat out not allowed. In other states, you can do it. It's called a double escrow, simultaneous closing. But what that does, if you're brand spanking new, is it allows you to have two separate transactions where you purchase a property, you become the owner on the deed for five minutes, and then you resell the property, and then you're done. An example in New Jersey, which is borders New York, you um, and in Pennsylvania, you uh, you got to double close. So, I, I remember I this was a year ago, I had to drive down to the lawyer's office in New Jersey with a cashier's check and slip it over to the title company to buy this property. And then a day later, they I think they wired me or mailed me another cashier's check with uh, you know, the profit. So, you got to know that too, and you got to work with an attorney who's willing to be creative. So. Go out there, do some deals. If you got value today, leave us a review, follow us, Put a share us on social media. This is the only real estate podcast I know of uh, and Michael knows of, of people who actually do this business, who teach this business in New York. We're not making our money mostly from education. We're making our money from actually doing deals. So uh, clearly this is uh, the only thing you need to listen to. Uh, delete all your other podcasts. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, all right, everyone, take care and I'll talk to you soon.